Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Uh, you've got Logan Jones and Evan Knowles here recording out of a different studio today. We are out of the startup that I work for, Lead Rilla's studio. So we're still here in downtown Lexington, uh, but a little bit different of a studio setup. So uh, we've got a green screen, uh, a nice camera to record some good content with. And today we're recording a little bit different of an episode. So if you follow us on social media, you likely saw us put out a graphic asking for the audience to submit topics or questions that they want to hear us talk about. Uh, so we got a lot of good submissions from that. So what we want to do with this, as we're calling it, our uh, audience topics slash audience questions episodes, is we want to hear from our audience, what do you guys want to hear us talk about? And then we want to create some episodes around those topics and uh, let them be standalone episodes that we put out periodically. Uh, so we're excited to do this. We got a good topic from our friend Nick Hostetter here. Uh, you want to go over this uh, this topic that we're going to be hearing from Nick from here in just a second? Yeah, for sure. So question is, how do you manage a side hustle on top of your full-time job? And we took kind of a full-blown approach to what it looks like to begin a side hustle, the difference between a side hustle and a hobby, and then taking that all the way through to going all in on that on that side hustle and creating a business out of it. So we're really kind of diving in pretty deep to that to that topic. Yeah, so let's hear from Nick real quick. He sent us a clip asking this question. So we'll hear from him and then we'll dive on in. Hey, Middle Tech, it's Nick Hostetter here. Um, got a question for you guys. As somebody who is entrepreneurial minded but works a full-time job but still wants to pick up a side hustle in their free time, um, would love some suggestions and ideas for, for different types of ways to still have that side hustle and that job to make some extra money while working a full-time job. All right, so side hustles are obviously something everyone on the Middle Tech team knows about. Middle Tech itself started off as a side hustle. So before we dive into this episode, we just wanna get a quick word from our sponsors. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's entrepreneurship and innovation partner. KY Innovation exists to support and develop Kentucky's startup ecosystem, and we are proud to work alongside an organization whose mission aligns so closely with ours. If you're a founder building in Kentucky, you need to check out the resources that KY Innovation has to offer. You can find more information at kyinnovation.com. We are also sponsored by Bolt Marketing. As a business owner, you're forced to wear multiple hats, but you should be focused on growing your business while you let somebody else handle your marketing. Our friends over at Bolt offer a full suite of services from websites to branding that will help you transform your marketing and grow your business. To learn more about how Bolt can help you with your business goals, you can check them out at buildwithbolt.com. Again, that's buildwithbolt.com. We're also sponsored by Render Capital. The team at Render Capital is bringing much needed early stage capital to this region and have personally worked with Mary Grace Ragsdale and Patrick Henshaw. The team at Render is great and I highly recommend reaching out to them to learn more about ways they can help you scale your business. All right, so we wanted to start this episode and break down with kind of the difference between a side hustle and a hobby. I think that's an important distinction that needs to be made because, you know, a side hustle is when you're actually trying to make money off of some hobby or idea you have and you're intentional about figuring out how to commercialize it. And a hobby is something you just do for fun and you don't desire to make money off of it. And I think some people get those confused. I think that's one place we need to start and distinguish between the difference uh, in those. I don't know. What do you think? Traditionally, 
versus hob- uh, side hustles versus hobbies? Well, I think you know sometimes your hobby can can turn into a side hustle. You can figure out ways to monetize your your hobby, but what you don't want to do is ruin your hobby by trying to make it a side hustle. Just because you enjoy doing something doesn't mean you have to make money doing it. I think that's an important distinction right off the bat. I think if you're entrepreneurial and you have aspirations of starting a company, then you should absolutely be thinking of different side hustles that can that can kind of get you kicked off and get you started. Nobody's just going to kind of cold turkey. I, mean, I don't want to say speak in absolutes, but it's very rare for somebody to just doing nothing else, go full into focusing on a company 100%. You're likely going to have something else that you're working on uh, full time. And then, you know, in your spare time, that's when you focus a little bit on this idea that you have. Yeah, I think it's important to be consistent. You know, with a side hustle, you've identified some kind of problem. And then you've got to be consistently trying to figure out ways to productize or provide some kind of solution around that problem. Um, and, and, a, and a hobby is more like sporadic. You're not regularly right. working on that hobby. It's more of when do I want to take a break from work? When do I want to go have fun? Uh, that's more of a hobby. But with a side hustle, you need to be really intentional about being consistent with it because you do have the goal of going full-time on it. Yeah, and I think let's kick this off by also talking about how pretty much everything we're involved in now started off as a side hustle to some extent. Uh, So I mentioned at the beginning of this that Middle Tech started off as a side hustle. Uh, So tell us about the early days of Middle Tech, how it started, why it started. Just recap that story real quick. And then how you guys, you know, were working a full-time job but still doing Middle Tech on the side. Yeah. So uh, Middle Tech started when Nate and I were at Fuji, which is a startup we were working full-time at. And um, we identified that there was a problem, you know, here in Lexington and Kentucky in general, that not enough people were talking about startup topics and ways to build businesses and examples of successful businesses. Um, And we wanted that ourselves because we were wanting to start businesses and wanting to get involved in the ecosystem. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of scalable ways to learn about it. And so we just started recording episodes, putting a mic in front of founders we were speaking with. Um, I had already had a lot of relationships with founders, and I just reached out to them and said, hey, you know, after work today, do you want to go record a podcast? I think the, you know, the ecosystem would enjoy that. And a lot of them were, were down for that, and we had great conversations, and it was something we did after work. We'd record it, we'd edit it, we'd put together some social content, and then we'd put it out in the world. And we were able to do that on the side, and we did that long enough and were consistent enough that eventually it became a business. We started hiring contractors, and then it became you know, something much bigger than uh, just a side hustle. Um, it's still something we all do on the side. However, it became a legitimate business that we consciously made a decision to be doing on the side because we had other businesses we wanted to start. But that's an example of a side hustle that eventually brings in money to grow the business, and that's how it started. Yeah, and I want to just speak on kind of a perspective that I have because when I was in college, I felt like, and I, I know Evan will relate to this, I felt like the what I was learning in my classes were not necessarily applicable to the real world. Like I felt like I still didn't have the experience that I wanted to to go out and become an entrepreneur uh, eventually myself one day. And I'll be the first to admit I was very naive about entrepreneurship and what it actually takes to run a business. And for me in college, I guess you could consider me being a full-time student, my, my full-time job, my side hustle, it wasn't even really something I was super passionate about, but what I realized uh, in college is that I needed a side hustle just to teach me the basics of, of running a business. So that's, for me, that's what I kind of went out and did was I started 
uh, Kentucky Elevated Drone Imaging. It was just a drone company. It was something I knew that would be pretty turnkey. Uh, but I think that's another dynamic of side hustles that uh, shouldn't be you know forgotten as well, is that it's great for just teaching you things if you're just doing it on, on the side. It doesn't have to be something that you want to spin up into a huge business. For me, it was something that taught me kind of the key fundamentals of business, and I could take those and put them into middle tech, which is what I ended up doing, or put them into lead rail eventually, which is what I ended up doing. Um, so talk a little bit about Simba as well, because Simba, uh, in your perspective, started off as a side hustle uh, also. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody's business always starts as a, as a side hustle. It's very difficult to just go all in and have the capital and the ability to start a company from scratch without any revenue. It's especially hard in this region of the United States because we just don't have a lot of venture capitalists that are willing to back an entrepreneur before they even start working on the business and it's just an idea. Mm -hmm. So every company in Kentucky that's a startup company likely started as a side hustle. Um, and so Simba was one of those. I had a full-time job and um, was in the real estate industry. I started investing on the side. Uh, and through investing in real estate, I started to learn a lot more about real estate. I became very passionate about it. And just started looking for problems to solve. Did a lot of customer discovery while I was still in that position, uh, working full time. I asked them if we built what I was showing them and building prototypes of, would they buy it? And then I did that long enough to where I was comfortable going full time on it and going all in. And so I took that time where I was working on it on the side to make sure I had the information I needed to go and say, this is a company that could be profitable, I could raise money with and go full time on. Um, so I spent that time very consciously doing that knowing I was going to start a company and knowing that uh, it was going to be something in the real estate space. And so um, we raised money eventually and I hired a team, um, brought in co-founders and we launched the business and we're about to do another round of fundraising. So um, that's another example of, again, just being very intentional with it on the side, working as many hours as I could outside of my full-time job. And then when the time came for me to go full-time on it, which is around the time of COVID, I was, you know, it was an easy decision. Yeah. Well, now that we've kind of given examples of how companies typically start as side hustles and how that's applied to ourselves, let's kind of, let's start at the very beginning, kind of where rubber really, you know, it hits the road. What's, let's say you have an idea and you're like, okay, I want to explore if this could be a potential side hustle, if I could make money with this. What are some of the first things that you specifically, for example, do whenever you have an idea, whenever you had the idea for Simba, what were, what were you doing? when it was just a side hustle in the early, early days, like first uh, couple yeah. of weeks or, or months. Yeah, I was just sharing the idea with as many people as I could possibly share it with. Mm -hmm. um, and that did a few things for me. That, that basically validated that my idea had some interest to somebody other than me. And then because I told so many people, I found my co-founders that way. And so I went to people that were professionals in the industry I wanted to build a product in, told them about it. If they showed a fair amount of interest, I, I kept nurturing that relationship with them and showed them I was very intentional about starting the business. And, you know, I found my co-founders by just networking and sharing my idea with as many people as possible. And once I had my co-founders, I then worked with them on finding ways to get in front of potential customers, people that would eventually buy our, our idea and just do customer discovery. So we were talking with the actual people that would be buying our product so that we could have proof that should this no longer be a side hustle, would we have people to sell to? Um, and once that was very clear and we built the product and got it into their hands and they gave us good feedback, it was then that I, have enough, I had enough information to go raise you know, several hundred thousand dollars, over half a million dollars to 
fund the company and, and start it and actually run after the, the idea. So the, the most important thing is to talk to as many people as possible and get feedback. Because um, that, that's what building a product in a company is all about, is solving a problem that you know people have because you've actually talked to them and understood their, their lifestyle. Yeah, I got a question for you based off of that. How do you balance talking about it a lot uh, with executing? So it's like, you know, I feel like I feel like we even have a lot of friends, and I love this about our friends, where it's like you've got a lot of ideas and you're energetic about those ideas, but how do you move that from just like talking about an idea and essentially talking it to death to actually executing on it? So like I've seen you put together pitch decks to like kind of materialize an idea. Talk about some other things that are like actual things that you can do to you know, execute on an idea once you have it. Yeah, I think the pitch deck is step number one because that helps you hone in how you talk to it about with people. Uh, it forces you to come up with a very concise explanation of what the business is actually going to be. And then I think you have to set yourself goals and milestones and, you know, it could be a to-do list, but you have to have some way to track that you're actually getting work done because if you get in this mode of, and we'll talk about it here in a second, of um, trying to do too much information uh, learning and spend too much time trying to acquire knowledge, you won't actually execute. And so you've got to figure out a way to actually hold yourself accountable to moving some, in some way forward versus just spinning your wheels trying to learn something new. Um, because the reality is you don't know anything. Uh, no entrepreneur does until they do it multiple times. Um, so the, you just got to keep being consistent and finding ways to, to track progress. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into that part a little bit. And just like the whole idea around managing your time because I feel like that's probably one of the topics. That's probably the topic that Nick uh, had in mind when he was when he was asking this question. Because I know that Nick is involved in insurance and he's got this passion for music. And I've seen him in action, like putting putting this whole plan he has to get into the music industry into action. Uh, but the difficult uh, difficult part about any side hustle uh, is is managing your time and balancing that with you know you've got a full time job. You're now trying to do this thing to test it out, see if this is something you want to dedicate more time to. And of course, you want to have the balance of a healthy social life and uh, you know, uh, taking care of yourself and all of those things. Uh, so let's get into the, the managing your time part of this as well. Uh, I know one of the things that I learned from, from Evan when I first met him is that he literally has settings like, it's not, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Uh, talk about some of the ways that, that you track things and manage your time and make sure that you're dedicating uh, enough time for an idea to actually get some legs if it if it's worthy of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I take my calendar very seriously, and so I look at it at the beginning of every week, and I see where the biggest holes are, uh, where I have time to do something that might not be work-related, my day-to-day -day work, so my full-time job, and I block those times off before anybody else does. Um, you've obviously got to make sure you keep a healthy balance, but you got to have the expectation that your balance is not going to be as healthy as it should be. Like if you're going to do a side hustle and you want to start a company, it's impossible. Yep. So you've got to have that. You've got to try to maintain some kind of balance, but you just have to sacrifice. And so that might be hanging out with your friends a little bit less. That's not watching the Netflix show. That's waking up earlier. That's going to bed earlier, going to bed later. Whatever it might be, in order for you to find extra time in your day, then you need to figure out where that is on your calendar. And then you just got to block it off. Um, that's how you stay disciplined. That's how I do. That's how I manage, you know, Simba, my full-time startup, middle tech, and investment properties. You know, I block time off. Um, I even do it for when I'm hanging out with friends sometimes. Mm -hmm. If I'm scheduling when I hang out with my friends 
far enough in advance, I'll put on my calendar, which might sound weird to some people, but you know, if you're actually busy and starting a business, uh, you get, you have to do it. Um, I, I can't imagine, you know, growing a startup or growing a side hustle into something real without, you know, taking my calendar seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's all about taking your time seriously. And I, I think that's, uh, one thing that, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat at all, but I also don't want to like glorify hustle culture. Um, anytime you're trying to take a step out of the norm. So like one of the things I started telling myself when I started taking on more side hustle stuff is like, if you want unusual results, you can't be doing like usual things. Like you can't be just doing the norm, like quote unquote, everybody else is. I mean, for me, what, what that actually looked like is when I was doing middle tech, like my entire Sunday for a long time was taken up with producing the video and the audio for middle tech. And it's like, you know, you should try and do that for as long as you can sustain it. But in the back of your mind, you should also be thinking, how can I get this to a scalable point? How can I get this outsourced and off my plate, but also have it that foundation built? Um, that's going to look like completely different things for completely different side hustles and businesses. But for me, I mean, there's really no way around it. If you want to do a lot, if you want to accomplish a lot, you just have to be serious about making sacrifices. So the way that manifested in my life is, I pretty much gave up Netflix and and really watching TV altogether. Um, I've been single for quite a while. Uh, I've dated girls here and there, but for the most part, it's just like I really didn't have time and I was serious about wanting to, you know, prioritize this thing in my life. So, it, you know, those sacrifices can be completely different depending on who you are. You just need to choose, okay, I want to prioritize these things and you need to be serious about budgeting your time for them. I think that's one of the biggest parts of of. Yeah. successfully getting it from a side hustle to a real thing. And another important topic is like social media and screen oh, yeah. time. Oh yeah, so, big time. Uh, one thing that when Simpa started to pick up that I did like a, a year ago maybe was I went to one of my best friends and I gave them my screen time password <laughs> and I limited myself to an hour and a half total on my phone outside of business apps and the, the, the messaging apps. So basically I limited myself to an hour and a half on social media and after that, I didn't even have my password to get back in. And so I was just programming my mind to spend way less time on social media by not even allowing myself in. Um, so I did that for a while, uh, and that was very helpful. And so that's something I would suggest other people doing is like actually getting control of your time uh, using tools like screen time. Um, you know, I, I think that's just a, a sacrifice that scares a lot of people. Uh, and it's hard, but, um, you know, when I'm starting a business and I look at my screen time and it's too two and a half hours on social media a day, especially Instagram, then I'm, that's unacceptable. And so I couldn't let that happen. But that's like a sacrifice. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one that I feel like a lot of people our age deal with. And it's, uh, I actually just released a weekend thoughts about that. So if you're curious about how can you set those limitations around social media, it can be less severe than giving your friend a passcode. But uh, and, and one last thing yeah. on managing your time, uh, and this comes in with Miltech, is you know, bringing in team members to spread out the work. Mm -hmm. So finding other people passionate about what you're doing. So, you know, this could be a co-founder or maybe you've already started the company and you want to bring in other people that are passionate and offer them some kind of sweat equity, which means you give them equity in your business for their work without having to pay them some kind of hourly wage or W-2 salary. Um, you've got to find other people that believe in you and believe in what you're trying to solve and come on and help spread the work out. Yeah. So that, that's another important part that you know, I think some entrepreneurs want to say they can do it themselves, um, and maybe some of you can, but uh, I will say when a VC wants to invest in a company or investors are doing their due diligence on a company, um, they're more likely to invest in a company with co-founders, way more likely, actually, mm -hmm. um, than somebody that's trying to do it solo because 
um, you know, it's depending on what kind of business it is. If it's a you know highly scalable venture back you know software company like what we're building at Simba, then you're the the realistic nature of doing it by yourself is just not not there. It's yeah. not possible. I want to actually speak to the the other side of that because I was that person that came on middle tech early for sweat equity. And really I didn't even have sweat equity in the beginning. So I kind of want to speak to those people. It's like, okay, well, I know I want to be involved in business. I don't know what I want my side hustle to be. I really just want to learn right now. That's, that's where I was immediately after college. Um, I had a job at Awesome Inc. that I really liked, but uh, I, I had become close with Evan. Uh, I saw him and his friends doing cool stuff. So for me, I made that sacrifice of like, I'm not going to get paid. I don't even have a guarantee of equity in this, but they're doing something cool. They're doing something that I know I can learn about a lot. So I, I made that sacrifice to just give my time to middle tech. And it really ended up paying off in a lot of ways. So on that other side of it, if you're that person that's like, you know, I don't know exactly what I want my side hustle to be. I just want to learn right now. <clears throat> be willing to, you know, give without the expectation of receiving. Uh, that ended up really paying off for me because I ended up becoming a partner in middle tech and, and co-host and uh, just learning a ton throughout this whole process. And that also led into my full-time job because of middle tech here at Lead Realist. So that's just a perspective that I wanted to share that I, I feel like is kind of unique to me is I came on and made that sacrifice to, to work for free. So don't be don't be necessarily scared of that. Uh, at the same time, know your worth after a certain point and don't be afraid to ask uh, to, to be compensated for that as well. I think that brings up one last thing before we get into the last topic, which is um, you will make less money uh, yeah. in the beginning. Like mm-hmm. You have to be comfortable with making less income when you're an entrepreneur uh, because that's the risk you're willing to take. And if you're not willing to make less money, then you're not cut out for that. And so like mentally you think about that and maybe that drives you to make whatever you're doing on the side profitable in the meantime, but at some point you're gonna have a sacrifice of working way more time for way less money and you have to have that period of time in order to get your business off the ground. Um, Not many companies start where the founders are making the same amount of money as they could in a W2 job the second they start the business. There's gonna be several months where you might not make any money at all, you might make a little bit of money, but you have to be expect you have to expect to make less money. And if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, you're just not in a position to financially because you have a lot of other responsibilities. You know, it might just be the reality that this isn't your time. So you know, think about that. Yeah, I think that's an important one to just consider at the forefront as well. Um, all right, so I feel like we've covered a lot about you know actually starting to execute and getting into a side hustle and managing your time once you're into that side hustle. Uh, let's start talking about, you, you know, you've gotten some traction and it's time to make a decision to go all in. Uh, so I think uh, out of all of us, you probably have the most experience talking about when to make that decision because you've been through that. Uh, you've been through that before, especially with Simba here most recently. Um, so let's let's kick off that topic. Yeah. Um, well, I think the ability to go all in on something and take that risk is like a muscle that needs to be built. Um, first of all, you know, I, I had built that muscle from the time I went to high school through my period in college. I dropped out of college. And so like when, it time, when the time came for me to start Simba and go full time on that, it was way more comfortable than me than it would be for most people because I had spent that time in the early days of my uh, career in, in, in college and when I left college, you know, doing really risky things, uh, moving across the country. Uh, and so... At some point, you just got to look yourself in the face and say, okay, I've done enough customer discovery. I've got a team. Uh, let's go try to raise some money or let's sell enough customers that I can turn this into a full-time gig. And um, 
you just got to be willing to take that risk. And it's, it's pretty scary. And so I think it's best to probably talk about the most, excuse me, the most common reasons. I just ate some Chipotle there. <laughs> um, uh, the most common reasons that uh, people don't go all in. So people can avoid those. You know, I think there's plenty of reasons to go all in. We probably couldn't touch on all of them because every business is different on when you should go all in. Yep. But there are very common reasons people don't go all in. So let's talk about those. Yeah. The first one you got on here is analysis paralysis. And I think this is probably one of one of the most common. I think the, the three you've got listed on here are all probably pretty on par with each other. But uh, I know I think this goes back to what I was just talking about, about having having friends. And I love talking ideas all the time. But if you have an idea that you want to that you're serious about, you can't talk it to death. You know, you can only do so much research. You can only assess the the land the business landscape for so long. How do you get over analysis paralysis? Uh, you just have to admit you don't know anything. Like the the entrepreneurs that never start are the ones that think they are going to find the answer. But the thing is, like you're searching for something that doesn't exist. Like the answer doesn't exist, or else you wouldn't need to solve a problem or start a business. So like if the answer was already out there, then you wouldn't, there wouldn't be anything to do. Um, and so the thing is that you have to know you don't know anything. Um, you have to use the scientific method to go figure out what you don't know and then what you can test and learn. And that is just something that not enough people are willing to admit. And so don't spend too much time trying to research the industry, trying to research your customers, you know, just you got to jump in because it's something you learn through experience and talking to people and getting your hands dirty and meeting the right people in the right industry. That's when you learn actually what you're building. You're never going to learn the right product by just getting on YouTube and, and searching over and over again about something you want to solve. Um, you're, you're searching for nothing, essentially, because you entrepreneurs create things. They don't they don't find things and like, uh, they create new things in the world. And so if it doesn't exist, then why are you trying to search for the answer? Yeah, and I think a good point to hit on with analysis paralysis is failure. So when, when Evan says just jumping in, very rarely you're just gonna dive head first and you're not gonna fail. But you have to look at failure as uh, real points of learning. So if you're, if you're failing, uh, just be paying close attention to those failures because that means you're you're learning. And if you're not failing, you're likely not pushing yourself hard enough. In that, well, so. I think another proof proof point here is that most companies pivot at some point. You mm -hmm. know, they 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 think they're building one product, and then the industry or the customers tell them to build something else. And and that's the case with many of the biggest startups you've ever heard of. Uh, they were pivots. They were trying to start something. And they got into a market and realized there was a bigger problem or that they were solving a problem people didn't care about, so they had to find a new one. Um, and, and that's just proof that it doesn't matter how experienced you are as an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter you know, uh, how much college you've gone through. You don't know anything. You just have to be honest with yourself and admit that. Um, and it's hard for some people. Um, but it's just, again, it's a muscle you have to build to admit you don't know anything and you're willing to take risks to figure out and learn something new. And I feel like this is one a lot of people will resonate with post-COVID, and that's just the capital piece of this. So, you know, any anything you want to do and, and get it to a point where it can really scale up, you're going to need some sort of capital, whether it's capital to support yourself, whether it's capital to go and grow a team and prove out this business idea. 
how do you get past that point of, of needing capital or letting that be something that holds you back? Um, I think capital is not an excuse. Um, it's more of a, uh, a proof point. So if you're actually solving something or providing some kind of solution or product that people care about, then the capital will be there for you. You just have to find it. Uh, if there's not any capital for you and you've tried, whether selling customers or going to venture capital or getting loans um, from people that also believe in you, um, if, if you can't raise capital after trying, that's more of a signal that you're not building something people care about than it is an excuse not to start the company. Mm -hmm. um, that's the way I like to think about it because you know, I didn't really know much about fundraising before I did. Um, and I, I was able to do it. And I think you know, I, was, I had a several examples in my life of people that had done it. So I had gone into it you know, confident. But I, I do like to tell people that raising money is not something to, that should prevent you from starting a business because there are a lot of people out there that have a lot of money and they want to figure out ways to invest it to get returns. And you have to find those people. Um, and that means you have to network. Uh, that means you have to try to sell your product. And uh, it's not an excuse. Uh, even here in Kentucky, you know, as much as we complain about raising capital, um, you've, you've got to go try to find it. And, you know, for me, it was really hard to get capital in this part of the United States. So I went to the coast, the Silicon Valley and New York City, and I just had to, you know, really get outside my comfort zone and find the capital. So it's, it's definitely not an excuse to start a business. Uh, so again, if you have an idea that is actually solving somebody's problem and you know they're willing to pay for it and there's a big market, capital is going to be there. You just have to be able to sell your idea effectively and get in front of enough people and eventually you'll get the capital. Um, again, it's, don't use that as an excuse. Yeah. All right. So this last one here, uh, I feel like is another kind of right on par with the first two. And that's just fear. Um, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to go out on your own and do something that people haven't done before. I mean, that's what entrepreneurship is, is solving a problem that there's not a solution to in the way that necessarily you want to do it. Of course, there's different types of entrepreneurship that deal in you know, more of that kind of stuff. But how do you get past the fear of going out and doing something brand new, getting out of your comfort zone like that? Um, personally, there's two things. One, I like to remind myself I'm going to die, which sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> I actually believe and I've studied why people do this, and I think it's actually really important to do. Um, it kind of sounds, uh, I mean, that's scary in itself, right? And that's why you do it. So you tell yourself you're going to die because, you know, if you don't do the things you want to do while you're alive and, you know, I'm not going to get too cliche here, but like you just, that, that's important. I think it's not necessarily a cliche. I think it's actually a reality that if you don't do what you want to do while you're alive, then I don't know. It's just not a good way to live. No, you know, absolutely you Just not. let fear dictate what you do. That's not good. Well, I think that it also goes back to, I forget which point it was exactly, but you said it's like a muscle, like working a muscle. I think getting past fear and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is a muscle as well. So something I've said for a while is I'm most comfortable when I'm slightly uncomfortable. Um, and that deals a lot with just like getting out of your comfort zone and, and dealing with fear. So for me, I try to always work that muscle. Uh, a way I've been doing that a lot recently is, is solo travel, something that initially would have terrified me to be completely on my own in a place I don't know and try to interact with strangers is something that was really intimidating to me. But that's just an example of a way that I work the muscle in a way that's not even necessarily directly tied to entrepreneurship and starting a business. But, you know, anytime you can get out of your comfort zone and just be comfortable with being uncomfortable, 
uh, it, it kind of flows into all different parts of your life. Yeah, that was gonna be my second thing is, you know, you've got to take risks and do that more and more, mm -hmm. especially when you're growing up. So that by the time you want to actually start something that muscle is built. Um, so that could be, you know, I did solar travel as well. Uh, that That's something that I think is great at getting you to understand you could take care of yourself and you're, you know, independent and can take a risk in unknown places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, I went to Costa Rica by myself for about a week and a half. Um, and that was scary. I'd never done that before. Um, dropping out of college, moving to Los Angeles, um, driving 45 minutes outside my hometown for high school. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that I've done that got me outside my comfort zone. And, you know, it's like swimming, that if you don't do things that make you uncomfortable, and if, you, if it's your first time swimming, you know, you've got to jump in in order to learn how to swim. And same thing with entrepreneurship. If you don't jump into risk, you don't know how to mitigate it and manage it, which is basically all you do as a startup founder is mitigate risk and sell all day. Um, so if you don't know how to do that, uh, you're not going to be able to be an entrepreneur. So you just got to, you know, build that muscle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's kind of recap uh, everything we just went over here. I feel like we, we had a lot to, to cover there. Um, so just, just to start, uh, dealing with actually getting started, uh, you know, what Evan kind of went over there was a lot about talking to a lot of people about your idea, but also balancing that with some execution. I think, uh, an excellent thing that Evan does when he, whenever he, he has an idea is, is putting together that pitch deck. Like he said, that helps you refine what you're trying to talk to people about, how you're talking about it. And then you can get that feedback and, uh, kind of move on down the road, uh, closer to executing. Um, Evan, why don't you cover a little bit uh, and summarize the, the managing your time aspect yeah. of it? Uh, you're going to have to sacrifice, and so you need to figure out how do you manage you know, your day job with the time you're willing to sacrifice and the important things like friends, family, and you know, relationships and personal time. You've just got to look at your calendar, figure out where your dead space is and where you have time to do something extra, and block it off and don't let anything get in the way. Uh, that's what I did, and I think, you know, combine that with to-do lists and setting milestones for yourself uh, and finding a team, you know, those are all ways to make sure that you're spending your time in the best way possible and and maybe outsourcing and, and spreading that workload uh, among a team. And so that, that's the best advice I think I have on, you know, managing your time. Yep. And then the last one here, I'll just summarize going all in. I think the overall theme of going all in is just being really okay with being uncomfortable because that's a really scary thing, whether it's because of capital or analysis paralysis or just straight up fear. Uh, it's, it's really just learning to deal with discomfort and being out of your comfort zone. And I think uh, the one kind of key takeaway that I would want people to, to get from this is it's a muscle. It's not something that you're just gonna dive in and take one giant risk and, and, that, and that's it. Entrepreneurship is, is all being uncomfortable and, and dealing with uncomfortable situations. So go ahead and start building that muscle even if it has nothing to do with entrepreneurship, take a trip by yourself and get yourself uncomfortable, get yourself out of your comfort zone. Really any, any opportunity you can see. Uh, just another antidote on things I like to do, be super spontaneous. Just if you see something that's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't normally do that, do it just to get yourself out of your comfort zone and see where it leads. Um, so again, Nick, thanks so much for this question. We had a good time talking about this. We hope you guys enjoyed this new format. Uh, we'd love any feedback you have on it. So reach out to uh, any of our social channels at Middle Tech Pod, reach out to Evan and I individually if you'd like. And please, uh, if you're interested in submitting a topic or a question, uh, record either an audio clip or a video clip. I know it's a big ask and send it over to us. Uh, or if you're too uh, uncomfortable to do that, 
just uh, send us the question and we'll, we'll figure it out anyway. Um, but thank you guys for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you next time.